Welcome to the Think Podcast, the show that tackles impossible questions from a biblical perspective with your host, Joel Sedekes. And now, get ready to think. Welcome to the Think Podcast, the show where we tackle impossible questions from a biblical perspective to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. The defense of the Christian message, of course, is known as apologetics. And so if you're going to defend the Christian message, you need to have some kind of a handle on apologetics. Well, I know what you're thinking. How in the world do I get a handle on apologetics? I didn't even know what that word meant until like five seconds ago. And now I've got to learn what this word means. I've got to go out and study how to defend the faith. Well, you know that here at the Think Institute, we're all about providing you with the tips, training, and tools to help you explain, share, and defend the Christian message. But sometimes, sometimes you want to branch out a little bit more. Sometimes you'd like to know, you know, Joel, I know you're an apologist, which by the way, um, the word apologist in some circles is like very good. In others, uh, a lot of atheists view the word apologist as a derogatory term, but there I am, I'm an apologist. But who else? Joel, who else is out there, you might ask? Who else is um, is defending the truth of the Christian message and, and debating and interviewing and writing blog posts and hosting conversations between believers and non-believers? Well, what if I told you that there was a way that you could learn about not one, not 100, not 300, but over 400 Christian apologists all in one place, all competing with one another for your attention. Well, there is such a place, there is such an organization, and the organization that is bringing together over 400 Christian apologists is called Adherent Apologetics. These, this is the group that is behind the 20, uh, 2020 and 2021 March Madness Christian Apologists Tournament and the man behind all the madness I am very thrilled to have on our show today. His name is Zach. Zach, welcome, my friend, to the Think Podcast. Thank you, Joel. That's a very flattering introduction. I feel like I'm very hyped up now for this interview. But I appreciate <laughs> you for having me on and I appreciate your time and hopefully... We can raise some awareness for apologetics. Definitely, man. Zach, Zach, how do I pronounce your last name? It's Seckler. It's, Seckler. It, it's weird. Most people usually don't get it on the first or second try, but it's it's Seckler, yeah. I, I honestly, I would have guessed Seckler because um, I've got some training in Greek and CH is sort of like <laughs> the English version of Kai, which which says, but um, but I, I probably would have said Seckler anyway, to be honest <laughs> with you, and gotten it wrong. You know, my last name is... Set a case, and people uh, people say setter case, settle case, stuff like that. So I feel your pain on that. So mm -hmm. uh, Zach, as we speak right now, where uh, are you at home? Are you? I take it you're not you're not at college right now, correct? Yeah, correct. So I'm at home. I've been at home since uh, March. I go to Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, and. Like every other college basically in the USA, we went to online classes. It was right after spring break and I've been home ever since and I'll be home until the fall. So this is my house and yeah. Very cool. Now Liberty is one of those schools I saw that they actually reopened, didn't mm -hmm. they? Was that was that a mandatory reopening? I guess not since you stayed home, right? Yeah. So 
what happened was originally they were really determined to uh, stay open for whatever reason that may be. Uh, so they were really determined to stay open. And then basically the Virginia governor, uh, when all this is in like early March, when all the COVID stuff was just happening, banned gatherings of 100 people. And then they deemed it basically as um, implausible to tell all the students to come back due to classes and such. So they moved everything online. They, uh, which apparently most colleges did, I'm not super well informed on the topic. They did stay open throughout uh, April and May. So I do know some of my friends, uh, probably about two or three percent of the student body who stayed there. And it was, tip it was just open basically for students who had nowhere else to go mm -hmm. with all the COVID stuff. But for the most part, uh, everyone shut down and left after all the COVID stuff went down in early March. Okay. Okay. And home for you is State College PA, right? Yes, sir. State College. So are you a Penn State fan then? I love Penn State. <laughs> Penn State and Liberty. Those are my schools. I grew up going to Penn State games and all that stuff. So I don't think that'll ever not be a part of me, you know? Totally, man. Well, very, very cool. You know, I lived for a year out in Harrisburg and mm. um, I, I told you in our last interview, I went to school out in Western PA and got some buddies out in Philly. So I love, I love Pennsylvania just as a state. And of course, state college is right there in the heart of it. Mm -hmm. uh, Happy Valley, right? Yep. Happy Valley. So, uh, so that's, that's very cool, man. So, um, now you are the man behind the madness of the mm -hmm. March Madness Apologetics Tournament. Uh, let, look, I think probably most people watching this know what that is, but can you give us like the 30 second rundown? What is the Christian Apologists March Madness Tournament? And, uh, why, why, why did you, let's just start here. What is it? Well, is it? That's a good question. So in about 30 seconds, basically what this tournament is, is it's a Twitter poll competition. It goes through the whole month of March. And we put, starting with 256 Christian apologists, they go head to head, just March Madness tournament style, like you see in the NCAA tournament. People vote. The person with the most votes advances to the next round, and we go until there's one champion. And that's basically the tournament. And who won in 2020? Who, uh, Robbie, the late now, Robbie Zacharias actually won in a crazy comeback, I guess you could call it, in 2020. Which, how incredible is that? The mm -hmm. fact that, that, which, you know, here's here's the funny thing. So um, I've, I've got a buddy. Actually, I mentioned him to you in our last interview. Mm -hmm. My buddy, um, well, I'll leave him unnamed for now. My buddy is actually on staff with uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Mm. And he was, he was telling me he didn't think you know, there's all this like people running around, vote for Ravi, vote for James White, you know, in the finals. He's like, Ravi had no clue <laughs> that this was going on. You know, he's just so above the fray when it comes to all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But, but you know, what, what a fitting, uh, what an amazing tribute to him, um, you know, in light of his recent passing. Mm -hmm. um, so what, what is one thing that you wish you knew, Zach, before you started the, uh, the March Madness Christian Apologist Tournament? Yeah, that's a good question. There's a lot of things. Uh, I think one thing would be how big it would become. Like, I didn't really anticipate it becoming like this, like, big deal. It's kind of something I created for fun. So I wasn't really prepared to manage all the stuff that would go on uh, with the tournament because obviously when you get more people seeing it, there, there became a lot more, you know, people who you'd consider, like, a troll, people who are leaving... Um, things that really shouldn't be commented in like the lightheartedness of what the tournament's supposed to be. So I wasn't prepared to deal with all the moderating and then the professional connections. Like I had to keep in contact with a bunch of people regarding all the 
details to make sure everyone was okay and understood the purpose of the tournament and like so I, just, I think if I knew in the beginning like what it would become it would have been so much more helpful to understand like how prepared I needed to be for the tournament and I saw I, th I saw that a little bit more in 2020 I was a little bit more prepared but I did never really thought I reached the point where you had like Ravi Zacharias or the people behind his Twitter account like retweeting it and without all the traffic that came in so Something that I wish I knew that I do now that I know now is to be more prepared for all the people who would amazingly just grasp the idea. And I do want to add, I am not a Calvinist, but Robbie Zacharias winning the tournament, if there's anything to me that seems predestined, that's gotta be that's gotta be up there with how everything ended in that sense. So yeah. Pretty pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. <laughs> you know, um you forgot to you forgot to say you're not a Calvinist yet. Um, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm messing with you. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Pretty, pretty incredible. So what, how on earth did you find over 400, how many apologists are there in the tournament now? And how did you find them? I will look, it's in the four eighties. I believe it is actually, as I look at right now, it's 461 at the moment and a lot of different ways. Um, so one thing I try to do, especially with this year's tournament, with um, the steam it picked, was telling people to add apologists. Like, be like, "Hey, who's an apologist that uh, someone hasn't heard of? Who do you want to see in next year's competition?" Um, things like that. So I kind of like did that. That's basically what I've done to find how we've gone from two hundred to four hundred. And then if you you know on Twitter, you can like follow someone. So you follow someone, and it'll give you like three suggestions. And usually, like there's a there's a nice chain of apologists you can follow as you try to like document all these people. But I mean, in the beginning, it was kind of just random, like especially in the first year in 2019, it was just like Googling articles written years ago and just trying to find all these people and putting them together. Um, so it's really just in so many different ways uh, through the internet, you see people on YouTube, you follow people and you get suggested people. Uh, I ask people to be tag people who are part of, uh, sorry, I lost my thought there, people who would tag people who aren't in the tournament and they tag them. Um, one of the connections I'm most grateful for is there was a fellow from East Africa who was following, the, who got in the tournament and he connected me to this home realm of East African counter cold apologetics, which is fascinating to me, something I never would have known about if it wasn't for the tournament. So really wow. just so many different ways. So yeah. East African counter cult apologetics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. T tell me more about that. Yeah. So I actually, uh, for your listeners, if you want to know, I just did a show recently. His name is Vincent Kahuma. So you can just look at it on our podcast in here in Apologetics or our YouTube in here in Apologetics. But basically, the African counter cult apologetics movement is a movement uh, predominantly seen in like you got Ken Kenya, Tanzania, uh, missing one other country, but in like that kind of like area of East Africa. And they have this group. And what they do is they try to tackle all these like false kind of like heretical Christian groups. So they deal with like you know, common groups that we see in America, like the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons. But then they also have a lot of unique groups, such as like African Christianity, which is kind of like taking the idea that Christianity is a white man's religion, trying to turn Christianity into like um, their own version almost. They deal with these like, I think it's in the hundreds of different like kind of like heretical movements within Christianity. Uh, leaders that are Vincent Kahuma, Joe Muita, Fuagi, I believe his name is. There's a lot of really interesting apologists in that movement. Wow, man, that is seriously fascinating. Mm -hmm. I did an interview recently with um, 
uh, Catherine Legard, who is a um, a missionary with her husband in East Africa, mm. and uh, and they're doing it's it's really incredible to see what the Lord is doing in that part of the mm-hmm. world that is like so off the radar of mm. so many of us here living in the West and in America. So um, was that the coolest connection that you've made through doing all this? Yeah, I have to say, yeah, that's probably the coolest thing. I remember uh, I did this interview with Vince Kahuma and I just left like inspired, like that there's like, uh, a po- it's, it's an area that really needs apologetics. And it, it, I just left inspired knowing that there's this group in East Africa who's working to reach these people. I think it's by far the coolest connection I found because I love how uh, this whole apologist March Madness thing is transitioned from something that was primarily American based with a little bit of the UK into something that uh, as kind of my goals we had into 2021 with it becoming like a global event connecting apologists, not just from around the USA, but from with apologists all around the world. And I think it's really cool what I've seen happen with the enthusiasm behind it in East Africa. So what compelled you to <laughs> want to start this in the first place? I mean, it's obviously getting you some amazing connections. Was that, mm-hmm. was that your motivation? What, what was your driving motivation for wanting to do this? No, I, I had no idea what was going to happen. So honestly, I'm not really sure. So backstory, I'm a, I'm a big sports guy. So I do love sports, you know, watch uh, basketball, football, soccer, all that stuff. So I've always followed sports. I love competition, seeing like playoffs and things like that. And I have always been fascinated by like sports management. It's not something I'm like studying or pursuing as a career, but it's really cool how like you can like run a league or a tournament or something like that. I find that really interesting. And what happened was, is according to my buddy, um, it was a weekend and it was the weekend before the NCAA basketball tournament. We were just hanging out. I don't know what we were doing. And I started to realize that at the time I had, I just started to hear an apologetics. I started to hear an apologetics in December of 2018. So this is March, 2019. And I'm like, so I have maybe like a thousand or 2000 followers. So I could do this thing where I put a bunch of apologists together head to head and they could like compete and just like people could vote on who they want to advance. Cause I'd seen it on like Instagram where people would like, or Facebook where people would vote on these like sports things, like greatest basketball player or greatest hockey team or something like that. And I'm like, I can do this with apologetics. Um, so I kind of like scrambled, put a bracket together, had all kinds of random seeding, didn't know what I was doing. I had C.S. Lewis as like a six seed. And I like, yeah, that was, it was kind of just <laughs> random. And, it was just random and scattered. And I kind of just threw it together. I'm like, this could be fun. And I had no idea what it would become. Okay. So you, you had started Adherent Apologetics um, already. What sort of work had you been doing with it, Adherent Apologetics to, to build your audience already? Because you said you had a thousand followers. Mm-hmm. How, how did that come about? Ah, uh, I don't know. Grace of God. Um, Amen. I started, I started the hearing apologetics and I just, it started primarily just as a blog. Like I'd just be writing and, um, yeah, I just write just like little blog posts here and there did a little bit of stuff on YouTube, but not a much. I had maybe not many subscribers, like probably not even at a hundred. And that was just kind of it. And then Twitter is just where I found, I've always had my biggest following for some reason. Uh, I don't know what caused it necessarily. I followed a lot of people in the beginning, but it was mostly apologists. I think mm-hmm. what happened is I followed these apologists, then they would share my stuff and people would discover my stuff. 
and I tweeted a lot. So just a combination of those things. I really don't know how it, I grew that much in that little time. Just God really um, yeah. had a plan. So, so, oh, God had a plan. Now you're talking, <laughs> now you're I know, talking you're about Calvinism. You're, you're liking what you're hearing here. <laughs> this is good. So for those of you who are just joining us or, or listening later, um, Zach and I just did an interview on his show where we he interviewed me, grilled me on um, <laughs> on Calvinism. And uh, I'm not an apologist for Calvinism, but I am a Calvinist. And so he he and I talked about that. So that's why we're, we've got this great back and forth about uh, God's plan, God's sovereignty and all that stuff. Um, so uh, so one of the things we believe as Calvinists is, of course, God is sovereign, but we also have uh, choices that we're responsible for making. And so why did you choose adherent? Why adherent apologetics? What's the significance of that that name? That's a good question. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. I think I was looking for something that kind of like when I first created adherent apologetics, I was just looking for something that stuck, something that like felt right. And I was kind of like just bouncing through all kinds of names. I don't really remember what most of them were. And the word adherent for some reason just kind of stuck. And now that I think about it, I think it's a good word because um, as Christians, we want to make our case clear. You know, I think of the word adherent as something, you know, clear, something you can easily understand. You can, um, something that you can believe in, you can adhere to a text. So I think the idea behind it now, more than I think about it, is just the idea apologetics is clear we can understand christianity the truth of the gospel things like that but i mean at the time when i first created here in apologetics there wasn't this like big like revelation where i'm like boom i'm gonna create a blog and i'm gonna call it adhere in apologetics it's just something that i kind of like i've understood more as times progressed yeah that makes sense so i just looked up the definition of adherent hmm. um as a noun it means a supporter as of a cause or of an individual um, as an adjective, it means sticking or holding fast. And mm. so, um, so what I, here's what I think is cool, Zach. So you're, you're squarely in the Gen Z generation, correct? Mm -hmm. 19 years old, right? And, um, dude, let me, let me just say, uh, as a, as a millennial and I'm an older millennial. Okay. I'm, I'm right out of the cusp. You don't look that old. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I know I don't look a day over 50. I really appreciate that. Um, I'm, I'm 36. Uh, so, as as an older millennial, um, people used to rag on millennials like we were uh, just the the most lousy, like no good people. So so whatever you hear, I don't know what you hear people saying about Gen Z, but just hang in there because whoever the next generation is, they'll be bagging on them in no time, dude. Um, <laughs> but what I think is very cool is that as a Gen Zer, you are someone who adheres to scripture who adheres to truth and dude that is that is increasingly rare among my generation and your generation um you know you can see the the if you trace church attendance and um uh who's being influenced by a biblical worldview the numbers only decrease as the generations get younger so my my question for you is prior to becoming adherent to apologetics how did you become an, an adherent of Christ and of the gospel. How were you, were you raised a Christian? What's your story there? Yeah, that's a good question. I was raised in a Christian home, Joel, but I never really 
was a Christian. It's weird because I don't know exactly when I would say this is the date where I became a Christian. I gave my life to Christ and that was that. But I mean, I kind of just grew up in a Christian home, but it was kind of like, you know, the go to church thing. You just didn't really have any sort of like faith outside your own. Uh, So I kind of lived my life, just did my own thing. And that was kind of what I did through middle school, high school. And then right after the 10th grade, I had a friend who just graduated and was headed to Liberty University, actually, where I go now. And he passed away in a car accident, just kind of like just this fluky thing, you know. Um, And that kind of just caused me to wonder things, to question things. I was like, is Nate in heaven? Is there a heaven? Um, You know, is there a God? Things like that. Things that, you know, you always... Growing up in a Christian home, I always assumed that God exists, but I never really like pursued God or wanted to understand God. And through some other events, some other things happened through my life, and I really started to challenge, and I was trying to figure out what I believed. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what what do what I believe? What do I believe is true about the world? What is true about God? Is there a God? You know, these questions. And it all kind of culminated in I headed into my senior year of high school. These were just questions I had through my junior year, and. I transferred in high school to a Christian school, and so I grew up in that kind of Christian sphere. And I did we do these like big senior projects, which are like you read a bunch of books, you interview a bunch of people, you write a bunch of papers, you do some sort of like uh, community involvement or academic involvement in the school. And I was like, well, I'll just do my project on worldviews and apologetics, and just try to figure out what's true. What do I believe about um, God and the world? Because I always was in the mindset of I want to believe what's true. I just, I'm not sure what's true and kind of looked into these things. And I believe that Christianity was true, uh, through this project. And then I gave my, what, what I believe is like when I was truly saved is after that and December, I mean, to my junior and senior year where I gave, I believe I gave my life to Christ. And what became convinced a you? Ah, I don't know. Um, a lot of things. So I guess I don't know. It's just, it's not like one specific thing. Um, reading, one of the first books I read was I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, which I think is one of the worst titles for a book ever, in my opinion. <laughs> Why? But, Why? Because I think the book's about showing the truth of Christianity, not disproving a naturalistic atheistic perspective. Uh, but I read that book and that was the first time I'd ever been exposed to an argument for the existence of God. Hmm. And I was like, and I, I came to the realization, I'm like, people don't just believe in God because that's what we're told. People believe in God because there's actual like legitimate reasons to believe in God. And then further that with some of like the historical things you can know about Christianity. And I was like, there's actually like things you can look at. Like if you look at some of the things like the minimal facts, there's things that we can look at in history and actually like see that Christianity isn't just like something you have to have like blind faith. And you can look at these things from an intellectual perspective and it lines up and makes sense. So I think the combination of both of those factors led me to believe that Christianity is true. Okay, so was there a moment then when you repented of your sins and trusted in Christ? You you're saying earlier you're not exactly sure when the 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 switch flipped for you. Yeah. Um, so so were you uh w- would you say talking with you now Zach it's it obviously I can't judge your heart right any more than you can judge mine, but it seems like you're a believer obviously. Um what but but would you say that there was a time when you repented of your sins and, and trusted in Christ? Yeah. Um, 
100%. I think that, I mean, I don't, obviously, like I said, I, I can't put down the, at, at the latest, I do remember this clear moment um, I had in a, ha a hammock, actually, in that summer where I was reading in that June. And this is probably the latest, I would say, I don't, like I, like I said, I don't know the exact, like, day, hour where I'm like, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus. But the latest, it was at that moment where I fully realized, like, I am a sinner and I need uh, a savior to get out of my sins. I'm t I'm stuck in my sins without Christ. So I'd say the latest it would have been in that moment in a hammock, which it would have been the June before my senior year of high school. But I mean, it's just tricky for me to know. But I do I, I did obviously realize I was a sinner and I needed to have faith in Christ and things like that. So yeah, you know, isn't that funny? For you, it was in a hammock. For me, I was five years old sitting in the car waiting for my parents. And it's like. <laughs> Like God can reach you anywhere, can't mm -hmm. he? Amen. Amen. Um, so, so that that is very, very cool to hear. So, you read that book. Now, the, the book I don't have enough faith to to uh, be an atheist. Is that mm -hmm. Frank Turek? It's Frank Turek and Norman Geiser. Norman Geiser. Okay. So, um, what other what other books? I'm I'm assuming that's not your the last book on apologetics that you've read. <laughs> uh, what other books? T take me from reading that book to starting an apologetics ministry. Mm, yeah, because a, a lot of people read apologetics books and they go off and do something else. This is something that you you've stayed dedicated to. Mm, wow. Yeah. So, uh, read that book. Then I read a bunch of other apologetics books. You know, things like The Case for Christ, Evidence Demands Verdict, all kinds of books. And then, <laughs> what do you call it? Um, I. What happened was is another part of my project was doing interviews. So I had to like reach out to a bunch of professional apologists. And I also reached out to people outside in the Muslim and Jewish and atheistic community. And really? just, yeah. So uh, I interviewed a bunch of people and the, uh, is either the last or second to last interview I did was Jay Warner Wallace. So this is before any of my podcast and YouTube stuff. And he's like, you should start an apologetics blog. Um, and I kind of thought about it. this would have been this December of 20, 18 and I was like well maybe but I, I have no passion to do this and so that was kind of it and then I think what happened I, I'm trying to remember this is I emailed him and was like thank you for the interview and he's like you should start an apologetics blog I'll share your stuff and I'm like okay I mean I guess I can try it so I had a friend at the time I started it with and I guess that was from Jay Warner Wallace's encouragement that was the start of adhered apologetics in the blog wow very cool. You know, he, he, I'm sure has, he's probably shared a ton of your stuff on Twitter, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's been, yeah, amazing. Um, so he was, uh, I had him on, on my podcast and, uh, the reason I did is because he, he, he started sharing all my stuff and I'm like, how, this is Jay Warner Wallace. How's he heard about my stuff? You know what I mean? But yeah. he's, he's very, very good about that. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, in in terms of doing your own apologetics, what has that been like for you, Zach? So I know you're a big um, booster and a promoter of Christian apologetics and Christian apologists. Um, in terms of your own work in apologetics, um, where do you see your role in the Christian apologists ecosystem? Are mm. you a popularizer? Are you do you um, are you a, like a, a booster? Are you a guy, do you want to create your own original arguments? Do you have a certain school of thought that you follow? Where do you see 
yourself sort of in the whole world and realm of Christian apologetics? Mm, that's a really good question. Uh, at the moment, I don't really have a school of thought that I'd be like, I follow this kind of school of thought and that's where I stand on things. I kind of still figuring that out. Um, so with it here in apologetics, there's, there's a couple, there's a few things I'm doing. The number one thing I'm doing is just trying to take it day by day and trust God. Um, just kind of see what can I do today to further adhere to apologetics and grow this ministry and see how God can use me. Um, but what does that look like in a practical sense? I, so right now, one of the big things I'm doing is I'm doing a lot of interviews and podcasts on YouTube. So, uh, and I'm, so what I do is I live stream an interview on YouTube and I turn it into a podcast. And basically the point of that is I'm just trying to learn. I'm trying to understand competing viewpoints, understand uh, different people's views. So I've interviewed, I primarily talk with Christians, but I also will talk with atheists and I'm looking to have Muslims and Jews and Hindus and all that fun, all those fun people down the line. And that's one of the, on the YouTube front, that's the main thing I'm kind of going with is interviewing people, um, creating podcasts and just hearing from the best minds in the world um, is kind of the goal. And so that's that. And then one thing I'm trying to do is popularize apologetics on social media platforms where apologetics isn't really seen. So I've started to do a lot more work on it with apologetics and Instagram. And I just started doing stuff on TikTok. I really don't like TikTok, but I know, <laughs> Why not? I know, I don't know. It's just kind of like repetitive. Like I feel like you see the same 15 di different videos um, over and over again. Okay. Uh, but you could change that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could try. Um, <laughs> but I've noticed that, like, apologetics on Instagram and TikTok is very um, weak. Like, there's not a lot of it on there. And that's, like, for people my generation, Gen, Gen Z, that is probably the two primary platforms used. Uh, people, mm -hmm. at least in my area, I have some friends from Southeast Asia who use Facebook a lot more my age. But people for my age, typically don't have a Facebook or they don't really use Facebook. Um, they'll sometimes use Twitter, but they primarily, Instagram is their main thing. And now TikTok is taking the world by storm. So I'm trying to bring apologetics content onto Instagram and TikTok. That's probably the second focus of my ministry. So number one, YouTube, interviewing people, talking to people, two, bringing apologetics to Instagram and TikTok. And then probably the third focus is apologetics March Madness, which obviously we've been talking about beforehand, trying to raise awareness for apologists and apologetics through a fun uh, competition. And so this is probably the three main things I'm doing. Just overall, I'm just trying to take it day by day, seeing what God can do. And yeah. Okay. So um, there, there's a guy that you should connect with. Um, mm -hmm. He's an atheist. His name is Brandon, but his Facebook um, online alias is uh, Ethan Michael. And I've been on his show three times twice to sort of debate him and then he hosted a debate that uh that i did with uh with another another atheist guy mm -hmm. and um he's he's so he's he's older than you i honestly don't know how old he is but um he's he's like you in that he's got a real uh real friendly personality and what you're describing he's sort of trying to do the same kind of thing for atheism hmm. Um, and so, you know, if nothing else, like, if you want to, I can connect you. If you're like, not, mm. not interested, that's perfectly fine too. But, um, but I always enjoy talking with this guy. He's, he's based out of, out of Chicago here like me. But, um, but anyway, 
Uh, I think it's cool, man. I think it's very cool. I can tell you this. I do very little on Instagram. I do literally nothing on TikTok. Um, and uh, so I think it's very cool that you're bringing the conversation to those forums. And uh, because people on TikTok need to hear the gospel as well. They need to know why Christianity is true. Absolutely, man. So that's that's super encouraging to hear. What um, what are you studying at Liberty? Uh, right now, I'm studying social sciences at Liberty. What, what do you What do you want to do with that? That's a good question, and actually, something I can't really share on stream due to uh, security reasons. But I'd love to talk with you afterwards about sure. it. But I have uh, basically I have one goal that I kind of look at is what I'm going to do after college, and then after that, I have a few different ideas, and we'll just kind of see where the Lord leads me or where the Lord has predestined me. Um, there you go. Let's go. <laughs> so let's go. Yeah, I have an idea of what I'm going to do immediately after I graduate, and then we'll just kind of see what happens is kind of my mindset. So, yeah. Okay, okay. Very cool, man. Um, so you're you're studying social sciences. Um, you're in your second year? First year? I am. I finished my first year, but I did a bunch of, like, because I'm a total nerd, I did a bunch of, like, tests and stuff to get credit. So I'm actually heading into my junior year now. But I've done right one on. full year of college. Right on. Okay. Okay, so very cool. So, um, so you're you're doing the 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 March Madness um, Christian Apologist tournament. Which, if you're just tuning in now, Zach Zach Seckler is the man behind the madness of the Christian Apologist March Madness tournament. And um, and so we're talking about that. We're talking about Zach's story. And um, Zach, I I want to I want to give you a a criticism that was offered to me, and you already know what I'm going to ask. Um, <laughs> it's pushback on this whole idea of the March Madness qualifiers tournament, and here, mm -hmm. here's what it is. Okay, um, the pushback, and I'm and I'm not necessarily making this objection. Okay, but I'm mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it your way, and as a good Christian apologist, you should always be prepared to have an answer for anyone as <laughs> for anyone who asks you. So, what do you say to someone who says, "Man, this tournament"? is stoking people's egos. This It's taking something that should be about Jesus and it's making it about man. It's making it about the um, the apologist. It's making it about the um, the servant rather than the master. And it's, it's, it's encouraging Christians to puff themselves up and to promote themselves um, rather than promoting Christ. How, how do you respond to that potential criticism? Yeah, I think that's a very uh, fair criticism and a very fair question. I think that uh, your mug throws me off. I love your mug. Um, but I think that's fair to a point. But I, I do think that I've had people asked to be removed um, from the competition. Not many, just probably like two or three people. Uh, I don't know if it's because they're worried about their pride or something else. So I do understand if, for an apologist, they, if they feel like they're when they're sharing things like this, that if they feel like they're just becoming more prideful, then I understand. I totally understand um, why someone may come from that angle. But I think, from the general sense, most of the Christian apologists that I've encountered who have interacted with the tournament, and especially the people who have promoted the tournament, have understood that it's not about them. Like uh, a lot of the people, like people. Let's just talk about some people that I'm had really close contact with from like. Through the tournament like a dr michael brown like or a mike winger or a vocab malone um some of the people have been the biggest uh people supporting the tournament 
they've all understood the purpose. So they may be trying to get votes from themselves to further themselves in the tournament, but they realize that it's not about them. It's about raising awareness for apologetics. And one of the things I love about these guys, is they realize that when they're promoting themselves, they're also promoting their opponent. So it brings more traffic to whoever they're competing against, more people become aware of what they're doing. So I think obviously each person needs to look at, if, especially from an apologist perspective, if, if when you're promoting it, if you're promoting out of pride, I would encourage that person not to do it. But I think overall, most of the people who are promoting things aren't doing it out of pride. They're doing it out of just having fun. Um, it's, it, I think of it almost like sports, like sports, you can become prideful about your achievements, but in sports, but sports is about competing. Like I love to compete. I love, I played basketball and football in high school and I never really, and I just like to compete. It doesn't have to be prideful when you compete. Hmm. So, so, um, who do you think is going to take the tournament this year? <laughs> uh, I mean, besides for you, Joel. Uh, uh, right. Of course. Besides for me. Uh, that's a funny question. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of exciting people. Um, I think Vocab Malone is really starting to pick up some heat. I don't know if you're familiar with Vocab. Sure. But he's a lot of people who are really behind him are going to push it, push him to try to win. Um, Vocab does a lot of work with uh, uh, Black Hebrew, Hebrew mm, Israelite. Um, yeah apologetics yeah he's an amazing ministry um yeah. so vocab and the street apologists are on the rise there's something to watch out some some people to watch out for cool. um i think if i'm going to predict someone it's going to be dr michael brown just Ooh. because he's been so close to your first year he was a finalist second year he lost to dr james white and the most voted poll or second most voted poll now in tournament his tournament history so mm -hmm. i'm going to go with dr brown just because i think he he's He's waiting for his moment to get that <laughs> get that little two inch trophy on his hands. So nice, I'll, nice. I'll, I'll go with Dr. Michael Brown. Hold on, is there actually a trophy at the end of this? <laughs> so the first year there wasn't, but then the second year I decided to make it a little bit more fun. So I built, I bought a four dollar trophy. I didn't want it to be anything serious. I bought this like little like three dollar, four dollar, like little like two inch gimmick trophy as kind of like a fun thing to add on to it. That is hilarious, man. <laughs> very, very cool, uh, Zach. As a so when you had me on your show, you made me the representative for all Calvinists everywhere. Right? <laughs> so listen, I'm gonna make you the representative for all um, Gen Z, uh, all members of Gen Z. And um, here's here's what I want to know, because you're you're in you're very much in the world of you know uh, you're you're online. You are conversing not only with Christian apologists, but um, but you're you're conversant in the ideas and the um the well memes of and i don't i don't not just not just like internet memes but like memes meaning ideas that are repeated throughout society what what are the biggest hang-ups you would say that um your own generation has in terms of believing the gospel or is it not even is it not even on their radar what what is keeping your generation from faith in Christ? What would you say? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of points you could address here. It's a very good question. I think the first thing, obviously, we could address is our own sinful nature. Like, I mean, obviously, everyone sins and falls short of the glory of short of the glory of God. But if you look at gener Generation Z, I just think back to social media and what we see 
so often is a promotion of sin. So like, if you look at some of the most followed accounts, like I've had to really check who I'm following on Instagram because I was never really aware of this for a long time until a few years ago. But we just follow so many accounts that propagate sinful things and we're just not even aware of it. Like, uh, I'll just give you one example. For example, there's uh, Barstool Sports. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're so they're really big on Instagram. They have tens of millions of followers. I'm sure I don't follow them, but I know what they do. And it's like literally everyone follows them, at least in the, even at the Christian school I grew up, I grew up in and, or I went to high school in. And that account, what they're doing is that it's a promotion of kind of like what you see is like the party life of college. And, you know, you like, you go to college, you join a frat, you go party, you go drink, you do all that stuff. And there's just so many accounts and like people promoting that lifestyle on social media. So for the person who gets a cell phone in sixth grade, when they download these things, that's kind of the life that you're up in. That's the life that they think they need to live. That's the life for a long time I thought I need to live because that's what I saw all the older people doing in social media. So I think social media, uh, in particular Instagram and TikTok can be promoting um, this idea that that's the life you need to live, the life, uh, the party life. The gospel isn't anywhere really that much in social media compared to the mass following that a lot of these accounts are that are promoting that these stumbling blocks are the things that we should be pursuing uh, instead of Christ. Wow. That's, that's incredible, man. You know, it's, it's incredible because that kind of stuff, I mean, that's, uh, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when MTV was like the driving (laughs) cultural force for, for the, for my generation. Uh, and dude, I, it was the same sort of stuff. I mean, live the party lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Here's here's who you should be emulating. So it's funny that that stuff is. I don't even know if I'm sure MTV is still around, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know anybody who who watches it. I yeah. mean, maybe I don't. You is MTV even a thing anymore? Does anyone care? About I watch it that? every Friday night from eight to nine. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I I think I think I've seen MTV. I don't know. I don't, I've never, I've never watched it. It might've been something I've scrolled through. I'm like, what's MTV, but nothing right. that I've ever Dude, watched. It, it was like, it was like the channel. I mean, this is like in the height of, of the cable, uh, you know, of, of cable TV and you know, when the internet was just getting started, but it's the same thing. They promote the exact same lifestyle. So it's like now it's just being promoted through where everybody is now. It's the same mm-hmm. lifestyle, different people promoting it, but same thing. And you're right the the gospel is just not there mm-hmm. so is that is that what's driving you zach is you want to get the the conversation about the uh, about the gospel and about the truth of christianity you want to move it into that space and and change the conversation or what does success look like for you success is hearing well done my good and faithful servant at, uh after i die that's really what i see uh Let's success I don't know. I don't know. Like people will be like, what's your goal with it here in apologetics or what's your plan or things like that. I don't know. I don't really have a plan at the moment. I'm just doing what I can and trusting God. Um, but yeah, my goal is to promote. I want, I want to see Christianity become more mainstream in social media, Instagram, especially. I don't know if there's a lot of Christian like stuff being pushed. There's a lot of those quotes where like, God has a plan for you or God loves you or stuff like that. It's not a lot of corny stuff. There's not a lot of substance there. Um, Mm -hmm. TikTok is really interesting because it you follow who you like. And what I really love is there's a lot of Christians on TikTok now. Hmm. Um, not a lot of Christian apologetics, 
But like, I mean, I don't know if you're on TikTok, but if you like like certain things, it shows more of that. So if you like like the Christian TikToks, you get a lot of like really good people who are promoting Christianity on TikTok. Um, so I think overall the goal is just promote Christianity, help people see Christianity so that when they're scrolling on their social media feeds, um, cause yeah, so there's a lot to say there, but when they're scrolling through social media, they're not just seeing the parties or the famous athletes or their friends on the dream vacation. They're also seeing things that honor Christ, that glorify Christ. And for me specifically, things that point to rational reasons to believe in Jesus and God through apologetics. Very cool, man. You know, um, I, I love to hear that. And I'm glad to know there are so many Christians on TikTok. I've, mm. I, um, I've never even used TikTok one time. <laughs> I, uh, I, I recently went through and analyzed my own audience and found that, uh, the majority of my interaction that I get from people is, um, the second, the second most popular is through my podcast. And mm. then the, the most popular is still through Facebook. Dude, <laughs> I've, I've been using Facebook for, for a long time. Um, and people that's for my audience, that's where people are. And mm -hmm. so it sounds like for you, Instagram and, but see, here's, here's the, here's the cool thing. You can take content from one, um, platform and you can, you can republish it on TikTok. You can, mm -hmm. you know, I can take things from Instagram and, and put them on Facebook. I mean, so there's, so one of the things I love is the synergy that can be fostered between like-minded people working together. Um, do you, do you think that the March Madness tournament is going to increase synergy and working together among Christian apologists? Would yeah, you like to see that happen? That's a good question. Yeah, I would love to see that happen. I think it has happened. Um, not to the degree that I'm hoping it'll happen, but we've seen people like, uh, Dr. White and Dr. Brown kind of like, I mean, they've always been friends, but kind of like reunite uh, through the Apologist March Madness tournament. So I think it's happening. I think a lot of people are rallying behind the idea that we're promoting apologetics as a whole. We're promoting um, all our brothers and sisters in Christ who continue to further on in the ministry. Um, so I've seen a lot more people promoting other people, which is really cool to see because they want to further other people's ministries. So, yeah, there's a lot of things um, that I've want to see but i also think that there's things i've started to see that are showing that like well you know one of the i do one of the things that's most interesting to me is i like watching the um ufc the mma from time to time and they'll like now this is this isn't a perfect analogy by any sense of the imagination but they'll be like punching each other and trying to choke each other out and all that stuff but then like 99 percent of the time right after they're done they just hug each other like they love each other um so through the apologist March Madness, kind of a similar thing I'm hoping for. Obviously, no like literal physical punching or yeah. choking out, but like people, you know, competing, having fun in a friendly way, competing. But at the end of the day, we're we're together in our goal, whether we're all trying to bring people to Christ and defend the faith. Love it, dude. Absolutely love it. All right. Um, so if if people want to follow your stuff, Zach, um, what's the best place for them to do it? Give give, give us a plug for for all your channels and, and uh, everything you have going on. <laughs> yeah, there's a few things. I appreciate you giving me the time. Uh, you can follow Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. Just search it here in Apologetics. Uh, our TikTok is like literally brand new. Basically, we have like eight followers, I think. So it's brand new. Um, and then Instagram and Facebook at here in Apologetics. You can search at AA Apologetics on Twitter. Uh, that's it here in Apologetics. That's where um, the 2021 Christian Apologists March Madness tournament will happen. 
And that's where like my main Twitter apologetics stuff happens. And then you can search it here at apologetics on YouTube. And then especially with the apologist March Madness stuff, follow at apologist polls on Twitter. You can also search, I think 2021 Christian apologist March Madness tournament. And that's where we're doing these qualifiers. We have so many apologists and we're trying to, I'm trying to figure out how to promote as many people as possible. And one thing I've done is through the qualifiers, trying to keep the tournament like in people's minds throughout the year, but also promoting people as much as I can uh, throughout the year as well. So for more apologist apologist March Madness stuff, follow at apologist polls. Very cool. All right, well, you have been listening to or watching Zach Seckler, who is the founder of Adherent Apologetics, who is uh, also the man behind the madness of the 2021 Christian Apologist March Madness Tournament. Um, Zach, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. And especially thanks for doing it after you and I just had our, our conversation for for your show as well. If you want to get in touch with the Think Institute, just go to thethink.institute. Subscribe to our Think podcast on all your major podcast catcher apps. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Think Institute. On Twitter, we're at thinkinst. That's I-N-S-T. And um, you know what? We've got blog articles and trainings and um, uh, slide presentations to help you equip not only yourself, but also your church. If you go to thethink.institute, we have a course library on there that is live now where you can get apologetics, Christian worldview, and evangelism training resources ready to go. Also, if you haven't checked out our catechism, uh, check out our catechids catechism. I'm just about to finish my third time through with my own kids um, through catechids. Check it out. It's available in English, Spanish, and Romanian. If you want to know more about that or anything else, give me an email at thethink.institute at gmail.com. My name is Joel Sedekase, and you know what? This is not goodbye. This has just been a little pit stop along the way of your spiritual journey. I sure hope you've heard something that is going to be useful for you to go put your faith into action this week. Many thanks to Zach Seckler for taking the time. And until next time, I hope it made you think. Thanks for, thanks for having me.